During the time when God sent judges to help Israel, there was a woman named Hannah. Hannah really wanted to have children, but was unable to. One day, she was so sad about this that she burst out crying and praying to God to give her a son. One of the priests of Israel named Eli was nearby and heard her and assumed she was drunk. How long are you going to stay drunk, he said to her. Put down your wine. Hannah explained that she was not drunk, but weeping and praying for God to give her a son. When he heard this, he prayed that she would indeed have a son. Soon after, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel. When he was a young boy, she brought him back to Eli, the priest, and the two of them prayed that God would use Samuel. One night, when Samuel was a little older, God spoke to him in his room, telling him about things that would happen in Israel in the future called prophecies. This was the beginning of a special relationship between God and Samuel. God would use Samuel to speak to the Israelites over and over as a prophet. But the Israelites weren't satisfied with the prophet. They wanted a king, a military ruler, like the other nations around them had. Despite Samuel's warning against it, they demanded God give them a king. Eventually, God told Samuel who to make king. A man named Saul, who was easily a foot taller than any other man, someone the Israelites would trust to lead them. Samuel brought Saul in front of all of Israel. When the Israelites saw him, they shouted, Long live the king! Hearing that Israel had a new king, the Philistines gathered a huge army so large that some of the Israelites ran away in fear. But Samuel gave instructions to Saul that would lead to their victory. He told Saul to wait in a region called Gilgal until he could meet him there. Then they would give a sacrifice to God before the battle with the Philistines. But Saul grew impatient, and before Samuel got there, he offered the sacrifice himself. Saul's actions had terrible consequences. He continued to choose to go against what God commanded and instead build up his own wealth and power leading to the end of his rule in Israel. It was time for another king. As I mentioned earlier, we are blessed this morning to have Mario Perez Jr. opening God's word with us this morning. And Mario, it is a great thrill to be able to introduce you. Mario is a, a student at Calvin Seminary, finishing up his Master's of Divinity. He's also serving as youth pastor at the River CRC in Redlands, and also serving as the youth ministry champion for both Classes California South and Classes Greater Los Angeles. I asked him earlier this week, what is he giving up to be able to do all these things? And I think it's sleep, right? Mario is a busy man, a talented man. A few years ago, Mario was a part of a preaching team at my previous church when we were between senior pastors. And so I've been able to be blessed by Mario's preaching several times and grateful for the opportunity again this morning to sit under your teaching. You know, I say these things because I want to introduce Mario. I want you to know a little bit more about him than perhaps you, you know already. But the most important thing about Mario is that Mario loves Jesus. 
There's no greater thing in someone who opens God's word and that he knows and loves the God that is spoken about in the word. Crosspoint, will you help me welcome Mario to the pulpit? Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Good morning. It's good to be home. If you have your Bibles, please turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3. And when you uh, turn there, please stand in body or in spirit as we read verses 1 through 10 this morning. So that is 1 Samuel chapter 3. If you are able to, please stand in body or in spirit as we read God's word together. Hear these words. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. And the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told him, told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity for us to gather, Lord. We thank you for allowing us to hear what you have for us this morning. Lord, we pray that in our weakness that you use us, Father God, that you give us the ears and the hands to receive. Bless this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It is so great to be here with you all this morning. Um, I was thinking about, oh, there's a lot of memories for myself in this room in particular. I know many of you, and I remember one of the memories that came to my mind was actually being on this stage in 2007, being baptized. And I'm thinking about that time and how so many of you made that covenant to say you're going to continue to pray for me. That when I stood here and made my profession of faith with Pastor Don Klopp, that many of you said, we do God helping us, that we promise to pray for you. We promise to be there for you and encourage you and help you grow in your faith. And to start this off, I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for the encouragement Thank you for being a church that sent me off to do the Lord's ministry. And I am so thankful for where I'm at now. I'm serving, like Pastor Lon said, in Redlands. Been there now for, oh man, I think full-time seven years. 
And so I just want to say thank you. And this text this morning, we're actually going to talk about the importance of stepping into a place and welcoming and encouraging the, the faith formation of individuals. Now you see, we, I just read 1 Samuel chapter 3, and it's one of my favorite texts. 1 Samuel chapter 3 is one of my favorite texts because it's an amazing story and an amazing reminder of God's faithfulness, of, of God just being active among his people. We see this story in 1 Samuel chapter 3. Uh, we're going to look at more than just 1 Samuel chapter 3 this morning, but I want to highlight this really quick. And we see in this chapter this example of God's desiring, God's longing to use Samuel. And it's a great thing to set up what we're going to talk about this morning. The title of my message this morning is God's Longing and Our Longing. And how 1 Samuel chapter 3 gives us that, that, that uh, image of God's longing. What happens when God has his way? What happens when we are obedient to God's calling in our lives? You see, let's start off with this. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, we see the longing of a mother. We see Hannah. And the, the video shared, Hannah wanted a child, and she was unable to have a child, and she longed for a child. In fact, that she would cry out, God, give me a child, and nothing. Year after year, she'd cry out. And as year after year goes, she becomes older and older and she assumes that that window's done. Like that time frame is it's not going to happen. But she still relented. She still pursued and she still persevered and cried out, God, please provide me a child. In fact, her community mocked her for her desire. They made fun of her. But Hannah longed to be a mother, but it wasn't so much the title of mother, but in a way it was another response for her to worship God. You see, when she cries out, in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 11, she says this. She made a vow saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. In return of this son, Hannah is saying, I am going to give him back to you. How powerful is that? That Hannah's longing for a son is in line with worshiping God. Is in line to sacrificing back to the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but when there's times where I long for things, that I want things, I desire them, I cry out, I said, Lord, give this to me. I, bless me with it. It'd be great. Not many times do I say, I'll give it back to you. But we have Hannah here who's crying out, who's mocked, who wants a son, and then says, Lord, if you grant me a son, I promise he will do your will. I promise that I will give him back to you, that he will be used for your purpose. He will be used for your greatness to make you known among the people. Hannah's longing is to worship. Her eyes are fixed on pleasing the Father. Now moving on throughout 1 Samuel, we see there's a, the, one of the, the priests there, Eli, and he has two sons. And Eli is not a, he's a good guy, kind of a great good guy, has his moments, you know. But his sons are horrible. He has terrible kids. And it says in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12, they had no regard for the Lord. 
They had none. They are people who are, are priests in the temple. They're supposed to be worshiping on behalf of the people, bringing forth the sacrifices. And instead, they're making the sacrifices about themselves. They're taking the meat, the burnt offerings, the fat, all the good stuff of a meal. Okay, You know when you get a steak, you have all that, that fat on there, and it's just, oh, it's so good. Some of you probably cut that off, but that's like the flavor right there. That part's supposed to go to God because God knows how good that part is, okay? But instead, Eli's sons, instead of giving it to God what, it does, what God deserves, they keep it for themselves. And in fact, the people who are worshiping, who are sacrificing, call out Eli's sons, and they say, hey, doesn't that supposed to go to God? Like, isn't that supposed to? And, he, and Eli's sons would tell him, stop, give that part to me, or I will take it from you. They had no regard for the Lord. And instead, they had a desire to please themselves. They had this desire to make it all about them. Eli's sons were not fixed on the Father. They were fixed on themselves. Now, Hannah had a child. and His name was Samuel. And when she, when she had Samuel, she raised or she uh, fed him until he was aged to be taken care of by somebody else and in that time Hannah goes to the temple and approaches Eli and said I promise the Lord that I will give the Lord my son and so Eli takes in Samuel and he raises Samuel Samuel is raised in the temple every day of his life growing up he is in the temple in 1 Samuel chapter 3, we see this image of God's longing. You see, Samuel was raised in the temple, and God was calling Samuel, literally, physically calling Samuel. He says it multiple times, Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. But Samuel thought it was Eli. So he goes to Eli. And I love this story because I can picture it for myself, like being a kid. For example, I'm not going to put my parents on blast right now, but I am. Growing up, we'll be at the house, okay? And I remember being in my room, and then out of nowhere, I hear my name, Mario. And I'm like, yeah, Mom. And it's just that awkward quiet. I'm like, I don't know if I should get up and go. Like, off and I'll go. And you end up walking over there, and yes, Mom. And she's like, oh, go do this. Like, okay. And there's some times in which I, I would make sure the pause was really long to pretend I didn't hear her, okay? And so... Um, I'd, she'd, I'd be in my room, and she'd be like, Mario! And I'm like, and I'd just wait. And she would say, I'm not going to say it again. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I could picture Samuel being this, where he, Eli's calling him, or he thinks Eli's calling him, he hears his name being called Samuel, and he's like, you know, Samuel's older, it says. He can't really see well. He, he's in his usual place. And so Samuel goes, and he goes to Eli and goes, you calling me? And Eli's like, I'm not calling you. And he's like, that's weird. Okay. So Samuel probably goes and he goes and lies down again. And he hears his name again, Samuel, Samuel. And he's like, oh, what does this old man want? And he goes and Samuel approaches Eli and he's like, yes. And Eli's like, I didn't call you. Samuel's probably thinking at this point that Eli's losing his mind. Because there's nobody else there. Who can be calling Samuel? 
And I love what the passage says. It's very clear on this. It said that the word of the Lord was not yet revealed to Samuel. Think about that really quick. Samuel, who grew up in the temple, who was there and, and saw the sacrifices be done to God, the word of the Lord was not yet revealed to him. So my profession, I'm a youth pastor. I work at the River CRC. And we have to take, I have to remind myself that just because my students were raised in the church, for some of them were raised in the church every day of their lives, that they were baptized in the church, that they, that they were active in the church, just because they have been growing up in the church does not yet mean the word of the Lord has been revealed to them. But instead, it takes people in their lives to show them who God is. And we see right here that Eli, God still used Eli despite Eli's failures, despite Eli's uh, family failures. God still used someone like Eli to show Samuel what God was doing. Because when God calls Samuel again, he goes, Samuel, Samuel, he goes to Eli and Eli realizes that the Lord is calling Samuel. And then he directs Samuel. He tells Samuel this. He tells him, it's a very, very scary thing he tells Samuel. He told Samuel to say, speak, for your servant is listening. He says to speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. That's verse uh, 9. That's a very scary thing to say when God is calling you and you respond saying, Lord, speak for your servant is listening. Because at that point, at that moment, you are surrendering to what God is calling you to. As a servant, you are, by claiming yourself as a servant, as a follower, you are surrendering yourself to what God is about to call you and to step into. And for Samuel, he said, Lord, speak, for your servant is listening. I can only imagine what Samuel was thinking when, when he said those words. And the Lord spoke to him. And we think it was a great message. No, the message that Samuel received was not an easy message. In fact, it was a message in which God was saying that he is going to punish Eli's family. The same person who just showed who Samuel, who God is to Samuel, he just, Eli just used, or Eli just showed, like, hey, Samuel, like, this is God calling you. God used Eli. But also, God is giving Samuel a message that's not so great for Eli. God longed to use Samuel to speak truth. God used Samuel to speak truth. And that moment from when Samuel said, Lord, speak, for your servant is listening, set him up for the ministry set before him. It set him up to be used because in that moment, that act of obedience, God knew that he was going to use Samuel for mighty things. And one of the first things he had to say as a prophet to speak truth in a community was to the person that raised him. And it was to tell him that, hey, God is going to punish your sons. And God is going to punish you. That's not an easy message to give, especially to the one you love, the one who raised you. But yet in that moment, Samuel had to be obedient to what God was calling him to. Continuing on 
in this chapter, we see that time goes on. And then Hebrew narrative, it's, it's, things are written very short, but a lot of time goes by. And you see at this time, Samuel is, is older now. And the Israelites, being the Israelites, start complaining. You know? And they decided, hey, we want a king. We want a king. And, like other nations. And Samuel's like, no, 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 no. You don't need another king. Like, God's our king. Like, we got judges. You don't, we don't need one. And they said, no, no, no. We want a king. We want to be like other nations. We want that. We want to be just like them. The Israelites are longing to be just like those around them. And Samuel's trying to remind them, no, like this is not okay. You got to be focused on God. He's our king. And he's like, no, give us a king. We're tired of this. We don't like your kids. We don't like, we're not liking you so much right now. We want a king. So Samuel goes before the Lord and says, they don't want you as king. They want a king. And in chapter 8, verse 7, it says this. And the Lord told him, this is after Samuel said, actually I'll start at verse 6. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord and the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. Oof. Ouch. Let's just recap really quick. We have a mom who longs to worship. The longing of a mother to give back her son to worship God. And then we see these priests, Eli's sons, who long for their own self like fortune. They want to be it about them. They want to make it about them. And then we have God's longing. So we're seeing what happens when we focus on God. We see what happens when we're not focused on God. And now we see the Israelites. And they completely miss the point. They 100% miss the point. They want to be like other nations. They don't want They're in a way by stating, God, we don't want you to be our king. Remember, God told them, they're going to be a nation set apart. You are my people. The Israelites, by by stating they want a king, is saying that they no longer want to be set apart as God's people. They don't want to be a part of what God is doing. They wanted to make it about themselves. They They want to build their own kingdom. And so what happens? God's like, okay, fine. And God appoints Saul as king. And it starts off pretty good. Saul's a good guy at first, okay? He's not this bad guy right away. No, Saul's pretty good. And we're thinking, okay, we see the story of Saul take place. We see the beginning of it. And we think perhaps that, okay, maybe Saul is going to be a king that will help the Israelites grow in their faith, that will help them grow in their relationship with their father. But the reality is, is as time goes on, Saul's fame and fortune begins to increase. And Saul's like, you know what? I'm gonna, I got this. I got this. Okay? For example, we see in the story that, Sam, that Saul and the Israelites were about to enter war. And there was nervous, their people were nervous. They were scared. And Saul's like, we're going to make a sacrifice to the Lord. And, and Samuel was not there yet. But Saul decided, you know what? I'm going to take it upon myself to do the sacrifice. I'm going I'm to do this. 
So Saul does it. Saul goes and sacrifices before the Lord, even though that's not what he's supposed to do. We think, oh, that's a good thing. Like he's stepping into a new thing. Like, no. Saul knows his place. Saul knows his calling. And he knows what he's supposed to do and not supposed to do. But yet he still does it. He fails twice. He sacrifices before the Lord. And then in chapter 15, we see Saul mess up again when he was supposed to destroy, completely wipe out the Amalekites, and he spares them. He spares the king, he spares the best lamb, the best goats, with all the best things for the harvest, and he disobeys God again. He fails twice. And God says pretty much that you're, like, we're rejecting you as king. God takes away, like, Saul's blessing. God, God takes away Saul's anointing. He disobeyed God because Saul's focus, just like the Israelites, who was originally focused on God, made it about himself. That's one thing about these first 15 chapters is, is this common theme of what happens when we keep our eyes fixed on the Father and what happens when we take our eyes off the Father? You know, it's a very challenging thing to keep our eyes on the Father. I am not going to lie. It is challenging to follow Christ because of our own desires, our own selfish ambition. It, it, it is challenging. But when we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, when we keep our eyes fixed on the will of the Father, we know that blessing comes from it. We know that God is with his people. And that's our hope. Though the Israelites missed it, though Saul missed it, though Eli's kids missed it, and Eli, our hope is this, that God doesn't abandon his people. That God is not going to disappear and say, I'm done with you, I'm no longer going to be with you, no longer going to walk with you. No, God is still active among his people. And despite their sin, despite their failures, God does not abandon them. Though there are consequences that come from disobeying God, God does not abandon his people, but he is active among them. Our longing, when it is focused on God's will, things fall into place. God has his way. Very powerful reminder. God doesn't abandon, but God shows grace. And our longing should be that. Just like Hannah, just like Samuel, to be obedient to what God is calling us into. And that's the question I have for you this morning. What is your longing? What do you long for? Many of us long for, for different things. We long for a healthy family. Maybe good finances. But does our longing align? Does our longing fix our, our, allow us to fix our eyes on Jesus? Or is our longing based on our own selfish ambition, our own desires? Because we see what happens when it's about God, and we see what happens when it's about ourselves. And my hope and my prayer is that for myself, that in the years hopefully the years that I live, that my longing is continue, continuing to be fixed on Jesus, that my eyes be fixed on Christ 
Because I know that that's the best way for me. I know the blessings that come from it. I know the grace and the mercy that is shared. And I know and I've seen what happens when my eyes aren't fixed on Christ. For so many of us, we've grown up in the church. Maybe this is, maybe this is your 10,000th Sunday that you've been attending church. And yet, sometimes our longing is still not fixed on Jesus. And we think it's too late. It's not too late. Keep your eyes fixed on the Lord, the author and perfecter of our faith. And be reminded that God doesn't fail us. God doesn't fail you. He walks beside you. God is active among his creation. God is active with his people. And as you live your lives, keep your eyes fixed on the author and perfecter of our faith. Because it is is him and only through him in which we will experience peace, that we will experience joy, that we will experience blessing. When we make it about ourselves, don't expect any of that. But do expect God to still be there. Do expect for God to still hear you. Because even though the Israelites rejected God as their king, God did not abandon them, but God was still with them. As you leave this place, as you guys enter this week, know that our hope comes from Christ alone. Know that Christ walks with you, and it is by the work of the Holy Spirit that he continues to reveal himself to you. My encouragement for you, Crosspoint Church, is this. is to continue to point people to Jesus. Even though we have faults, even though we've struggled, even though we've had highs and lows, God is still active, and God is still using us. Just like God used Eli, and God also used many other people throughout Scripture to make his, his name known, My encouragement for you is this, is to continue to point your young people to Jesus. Continue to point your young people to Christ because you do not know what God is going to do in their lives. You do not know the places that God will call them to. Not just our young people, but even those in between and our senior saints. You do not know where God is going to call you, but know that God's longing to use you. He's going to make, he's going to guide your steps. And it's going to be okay. It's scary. It's terrifying. But it's going to be okay. That is my encouragement for you all this morning. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and continue to make his name known. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your grace and for your mercy that is new for us every day. Lord, we pray that you continue to guide us, that you continue to direct us. May we keep our eyes fixed on you. May we not lose, may we not lose sight. Lord, we love you and we worship you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.